talking about Joseph. You remember we left off? Joseph had sent some tests, though some ways uh, to see if his brothers were true in their repentance. And the last time, uh, he double-loaded benefits in Benjamin's life, and and uh, the boys were not jealous. They were happy for it. And Joseph uh, heard talk about his father, and he couldn't take it anymore. He's now going to reveal who he is to his brothers, and uh, it's going to be a glorious passage of Scripture. But everything that we've talked about so far about Joseph, we are under number eight in our ginormous outline now, uh, which is Joseph's brethren. But we saw the mystery phase where he kept himself hidden who he was. But now in chapter number 45, when we look at in verses 1 to 24, is the majesty phase uh, when he reveals who he is and he is second in command. And we want to look at this this evening. Uh, let's start reading verse number 1 of chapter number 45. It says this, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. He wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which uh, there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye, and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast, and there will I nourish thee. For yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see, and the eyes uh, of my brother Benjamin, that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that ye have seen. And ye shall haste and bring down my father hither. And, and he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck, and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all of his brethren, and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come. And it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye, laid your beast, and go, get you into the land of Canaan, take your father and your households, and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt, and ye shall eat of the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded, This do ye, take you wagons out of the land of Egypt, for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father, and come. Also regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. And the children of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh, and gave them provision for the way. To all of them he gave each man changes of raiment, but to Benjamin he gave three hundred pieces of silver, and five changes of raiment. And to 
to his father, he sent after this manner, ten asses laden uh, with the good things of Egypt, and ten she-asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. So he sent his brethren away, and they departed, and he said unto them, See, that ye fall not out by the way. Let's pray. God, thank you, Lord, for this passage. I pray that, Lord, you'd help us as we look at it tonight. Lord, again, we just ask you to open our eyes, that we behold wondrous things out of thy law. Make us to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall we talk of thy wondrous works. Give us understanding. We shall keep thy law. Yea, we shall observe it with our whole heart. Lord, just please speak to us. We love you. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's look at this, the majesty phrase. Now Joseph's going to reveal himself. We just read it to his brethren. I believe that this is, uh, uh, again, a picture. Uh, I believe it's a grand picture of how one day, uh, again, uh, the, the one-third of the Jews that are remaining... Uh, they will hear about the Lord. There'll be uh, 144,000 that'll be witnessing about this, but they'll hear about the Lord and they will turn to the Lord and then they will see him and he will reveal himself, the revelation of Christ. And he will come and uh, they will receive him and he will receive them and, uh, and thus will begin the thousand year reign of Christ. I believe this also though is a picture, what we read here about, um, and it should be very familiar with all of us, how that when we came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, when he revealed himself to us, and I want you to keep both those things in mind as we look at this real quick tonight. In verses 1 through 16, I want you to see the revelation, the revelation of Joseph. Uh, he reveals himself. He couldn't contain himself anymore. Uh, you can almost, if you read it and study it, you can feel the excitement. I mean, it's just boiling inside of him. And he says, everybody out, uh, anyone and everyone, all my servants out, leave these men here and uh, who knows what was going through their mind, right? Now what, right? Uh, but as soon as the last servant shut the door, he said, it's me. It's Joseph. And uh, they couldn't believe what they saw. Uh, so how did he reveal himself to them? I want you to see, first of all, in verses 1 through 3, there was the revelation of his person, who he was. Um, if we truly uh, appreciate Christ then it all begins with us appreciating who he is. Again, so many other cults out there, they, they see Jesus as just a, a man. A great man, but a man. The Muslims see him as a prophet, equal with Muhammad. There is no equal to our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, many believe he was just a person if he existed at all. I mentioned this morning the Catholics and how they most often portray the Lord as in weakness and either being held by Mary, and you've seen the statues, no doubt. Um, I don't recommend you do it, but if you walk into a Catholic church, you'll see him hanging on a cross. Um, I have, I, the Bible says that we glory in the cross of Christ. I am thankful for what Christ did for us, but he's not on the cross. He, he paid for our sins once and for all. Uh, they portray him this time of year as, as uh, in a manger and, and Mary uh, being some uh, exalted one. Mary was a sinner just like you and I. And I put, saw someone this week said, show me verse in scripture for that. Well, I'll give it to you. She referred to Jesus, her son, as my Savior. 
She needed a savior just like everyone else needed a savior. But the world tries to picture him and belittle who he is. And if we as a saved people, we should understand who he is first and foremost. He's the Lord of glory. He is the son of the living God. He is, there's none like him. Amen. And, uh, but he shows, first of all, the revelation of his person. I want you to see in verse number one, it was a sudden revelation, a sudden revelation at one moment they're standing there having no idea who he is the next they find out he's joseph all right it uh, says then joseph cannot refrain himself he's and he cried calls every man to go out for me and there stood no man with them while joseph made himself known unto his brethren they only knew him before as zaphnath panea which means what i'll see now we preach. We should remember these things, right? Savior of the world. They knew him as Zaphnath Panea. That's a good title. There's a lot of people out there that know that Jesus, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. They know his name too. But knowing his name doesn't change anything in our life if you don't believe on his name. And, and they knew his name, but he went from one moment being Zaphnath Panea to finding out that this is Joseph. It went from a title of someone that they knew about to someone who they knew. From a, 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 a term of reverence to a term of endearment. And us, you and I, the day that we came to know the Lord Jesus, I doubt none of us had uh, not heard the name Jesus before we got saved. We all had heard of him. We all had heard preaching of him. Uh, I doubt, was anyone, it might be, was there anyone in this auditorium who got saved the first time you ever heard of Jesus? All right, Brother Schwartz. Amen. All right, praise the Lord for that, all right? But the great majority of us, we knew him. We knew who he was. We knew what he did. All right, uh, we, we, but we hadn't believed on him. And the fact is this, the moment that you received him as your Savior, you still knew he was Jesus, but now he's my Savior. Amen. Now he's, he's, he's family. Isn't that awesome? The moment you got saved, you became a child of God. Join heirs with Christ. They went from knowing him as just being this, this authority to now he, they realized who he was. That was his brother. One day the Jews are going to hear all about him. They're going to be preached to him through the years of tribulation. And then they're going to turn to him, the one that they've heard of, but then they're going to see him. And what are restorations going to take place? For us that are saved here tonight, we once were blind, but now we see we once knew a story, but now we know the Savior. What a difference that makes. It was a sudden revelation. Secondly, it, is a, it was a sobering revelation. In verse number two, he wept aloud. He cried out. Matter of fact, the Bible says that the, all the house, including Pharaoh's house, heard his weeping. This initial moment of this revealing was a very emotional moment. There was a lot of tears, a lot of crying out. The, the emotional tears and crying out made it all the way to the king's house. That's what it says, amen? Are you thinking with me? The day you and I realized who the Lord Jesus was, 
that joy, that emotion, that news made it all the way to the king's house. There is joy in the presence of the angels. Amen? Amen. It was an emotional experience. Now listen real close. Salvation is not an emotion. Some people, when I've seen people that get saved and they just weep and weep and weep and weep, and there's nothing wrong with that. I've seen some people get saved that they just pray, they believe, and they're happy. Amen. And no tears at all. Which one was saved? They both were. Salvation's not an emotion. But salvation can stir our emotions. I don't know that I wept the day I got saved, but I sure know I was happy about it. And the fact is this, that when you come to know the Lord, it's a life-changing experience. And praise the Lord, when anyone comes to a place of repentance, the news makes it all the way to the king's house. Amen? It was a sobering revelation. It was, a, verse number three, a simple revelation. Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. That's pretty simple. I mean, you know, some of us, I put us in that, you know, we tell stories. We can get pretty dramatic about things. I like building stories. I like telling a good story because I like listening to a good story. You know, if you're one of those people who'll just like read, read a passage and you're like monotone and you don't put yourself into it, you're missing it, all right? You know, but in Joseph, he didn't tell. I, if I was Joseph, I'd have been like, all right, I need to tell you guys something. Long time ago, there was this boy. I mean, that would have been me. And I would have built up to it, man. And I would have made him feel as convicted as I possibly could. And then finally said, it's me. Oh, yeah. And build it up to that, right? He didn't. It was a simple revelation. His words were simply this, I am Joseph. It was simple. But that's an important thing. Because the gospel is simple. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that you don't have to have a PhD to understand the gospel of Christ. Even whenever uh, uh, God revealed himself to uh, Saul, who would become the Apostle Paul, he said the basic same thing. He said, I am Jesus. He introduced himself in the same way. Joseph said, I am Joseph. I am thankful for the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. I, I, I know I make a lot of that, but it's just the truth, and we should make a lot of that. Uh, the fact that the gospel, because some people try to make the salvation salvation into something that is quite difficult. I had one person come up to me, and I'll never forget it because it broke my heart, and it's just stayed with me since that day. I was up preaching up north, and, and, uh, and before I preached, someone, they were, people were coming up at the church. They were introducing themselves to me, and this lady walked up, and my wife was standing with me, and she walked up, and she goes, will you pray for me? that I can get saved. I said, I will, but you can get saved. <laughs> I said, I'll do that now. And she goes, no. She said, I, I've not gotten to a place where I'm sorry enough or I'm repentant enough. And she started going through this list of things that she said, I don't understand it, but I just don't think I'm there yet. Someone had made salvation a difficult thing for this lady. Salvation is not a difficult thing. 
Now, I'm not one of those people that says you want to get saved. All right, you're, you want to go to heaven? All right, you can go. There has to be repentance. There must be faith. But again, what is that? It's recognizing that you're a sinner and you need a Savior. If you wait till you figure out salvation to get saved, my friend, I still haven't figured it all out. That's why it's a miracle. I can preach about things like redemption and justification and atonement. When I got saved, I had no idea what those things are. I know what they are now. But all I knew when I got saved is that Travis Burke is a sinner. Travis Burke deserves to go to hell. But Jesus loves me so much. He died on the cross for me. He is the only way to heaven. Lord, will you save my soul? And he did. There is simplicity in Christ. If you're struggling with your salvation, most of the time what I find with those who struggle with their salvation is not that Christ will not do what he said he'd do. It's just usually they have issues with trust. They have issues with being accepted, and it's throughout their lifetime. And they struggle to believe that God would actually save them. Well, my friend, he will actually save you. The Bible says all those who come to him, he'll in no wise cast out. It is simple faith, and praise the Lord, there is simplicity in Christ. Matter of fact, when there's confusion, God is not the author of confusion. It's the devil that tries to confuse. And that's what even Paul talks about there in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. When he prays that people wouldn't be blinded through the, the devil. Confusing them from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. But it was a simple revelation. It is number four. It was a successful revelation. Look at end of verse number three. And his brethren could not answer him because they were troubled at his presence. When they became confronted with who this was, it brought conviction to their soul. They were troubled at his presence. Why were they troubled? To the point where we read they couldn't even talk, right? I'm Joseph, and they're like, I mean, he couldn't even speak. They were troubled at his presence. Why is that? Because when they found out who he was, they realized what they had done. Right? They had rejected him. They were guilty. They were wrong. The moment that we accepted the Lord and we saw who he, he was and who he is, we also saw the sinners that we are. The Jews one day will recognize him, but one of the, the first things that will happen is they'll know who they are and what they've done. And they will call out for a Savior. The first work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said He would leave the Holy Spirit in John chapter number 16 for the purpose to convict man, to bring conviction in our lives. Because if we, before we get saved, we must see who we are and who He is. And it just troubled them. So it was, first of all, the revelation of Joseph. Then I want you to see in verses 4 to 16, a revelation of his purposes. Why did he reveal himself? Verses 4 and 5, you see, he revealed himself. And by the way, keep in mind how the Lord will one day reveal himself to the Jews. Remember the day when the Lord and you realized who the Lord was too. 
And the purpose why God brings that light into our life, as John chapter 1 talks about, is number one, so that we can be pardoned. Isn't it a great thing tonight that we have been pardoned? It says in verse number 4, Joseph said unto his brethren, and I love this, come near to me. And I know I'm breaking down. I didn't think about any of these things the day I got saved, but this is what happened the day I got saved. I realized who the Lord was. I realized who I was. I was a sinner. The Lord was my sacrifice for my sins. But praise the Lord. I knew in my heart upon realizing these two things that the Lord was saying this simple invitation come my grandpa preached so many sermons he always referred to it and I just can't help but do the same he called it the royal invitation of the bible come from Genesis all the way to Revelation from Noah standing there come into this ark God telling Noah to come into this ark to the end of the bible when the spirit and the bride say come it's a royal invitation. And I'm thankful that invitation is still there today. Amen. Yes. I wrote down under this, the part in a royal invitation in verse number four. And I wrote down just a few words, the word come. But then I wrote down the word choice. He said, come near to me. Come near to me, I pray you. There were no officer standing by to make them the second word I wrote down was a choice he said come near to me I pray you I ask you I beg you and the Bible says and they came near aren't you thankful for the day you made the choice to respond to that invitation and come to the Lord I wrote down a third word I wrote down the word come choice and in the word consider it says in verse number four and they came near and he said I am Joseph your brother whom you sold into Egypt he did not gloss over their sin they had to confront their sin I'm Joseph whom you sold into Egypt now he wasn't I don't believe rubbing it in their face like you bunch of jerks right but at the same time they needed to confront what they had done. I'm saved and you're saved today not because God just glosses over our sin. We had to confront our sin. But we also had to know that the, the one whom we had offended is standing there with his arms open saying, come. And it's our choice. Because they had to look at their sin, but they had to know that they were looking at their Savior. And praise God for that. That we were confronted with our sin and we had the choice. And I'm glad I made the choice to run to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a lot of nursing home ministries. I love every one of them. And uh, I still stick with this. And I, my, at 16, when I surrendered to preach, my grandpa said, All right, Tuesday night, Miamisburg, Ohio, you're preaching at the nursing home never preached before what you what you know i was like what 
And I went there, and I remember I preached on amazing grace. I don't know what my points were. It was probably two minutes long. Bet you miss those days, don't you, right? And, uh, but I preached a sermon there, and um, been working in nursing home literally ever since then. Love nursing home ministry. I've never met in 32 years now. I've never met an elderly person that saved and served the Lord that has one regret. Zero. I've met a lot of doom and despair and grouchy elderly people. People that hate life and literally look at me. There's this one fellow I visit, and every time I walk in his room, he says, Preacher, pray for me. I die. I hate life. I said, I'm not going to pray for that till you get saved. Amen. Uh, you know, but I've met a lot of elderly people that or I have a lot of regrets and a lot of hate and a lot of doubt and a lot of depression, but I've never met one that served the Lord that had any regrets. And I'm going to add one more thing, but they weren't happy. Now, don't get me wrong. Everybody has bad days. I'm thinking down at Loveland, a lot of you go down there. Miss Helen has been saved a long time, served the Lord. A joy to be around. I mean, you go to her, how you doing? Lord's good. The Lord is good. And our brother Charles at Brookwood, he passed away uh, just this past year. Tremendous man of God. Just awesome. And uh, taught Sunday school 56 years at his church. And uh, just uh, at an independent Baptist church up in Michigan. And uh, just a tremendous man. One of the most, he hurt so bad. He was constantly in pain. He was an interesting man. He, uh, he drove an a army jeep with a gun on the back of it through Germany during the war, World War. And uh, Elvis was his gunman. That has nothing to do with the sermon, but he loved telling people that. So I'm just going to tell you that, all right? He had pictures of it. He's like, do you know this guy? If you've ever been there, he probably showed, did he show you the picture? Yeah, all right, yeah, he just showed you. He just, look at this. And he, and he always just says, he was a terrible shot. Uh, you know, he was, but... Uh, you know, he, he, but he just, he was so happy. Even in his pain, he loved the Lord. And, and the fact is this, you and I have a choice. You'll never have a regret choosing to serve the Lord. Because there's a part, and I see the royal invitation in verse number four, but then I see a, a recognized involvement. In verse number five, he says, well, verse five, thou, thou therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. He said, guys, what you did was not right. It was a tragedy what they did. But God took that and turned it into a triumph. It is a travesty what man did to Jesus on the cross. But it is a triumph what Christ did on the cross for us. The Lord took man's worst and turned it into man's best. Because that's what our Lord can do. That was the pardon. And then I want you to see in verses 6 to 12, the provision. The provision. Uh, real quick in verse number 6, for these two years had the famine been in the land. He mentions the famine in verse number 6. And there's five more years coming. 
He mentions the famine and he mentions the future in verse number seven. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. We know later on he'd say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And he realized now he's looking and says, brothers, we're in the midst of a famine and people are dying, but God knew what he was doing and here I am. And now your future is secure. Because of me. I'm looking, this world is in a great famine. Maybe not much of food and water, but of the word of God. There are people dying in darkness in the world all around us. But praise God, believer, your future is bright tonight. Amen. You see, a famine, a future, and then a father. In verse number 8, says, So now it was you that sent me hither, but God, and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and ruler throughout all the land. He said, God has made me this father. There on this earth, he was in that position. But I'm thankful tonight that we have a heavenly father who will never leave his children. A heavenly father who's always going to take care of his children, just like Joseph would do for his brethren and for his family. Our heavenly father is going to take care of us. Amen. And then in verses 9, 9 through 12, he says, but go get my earthly father. He says, hasten, go up. I believe all of this, and we've already read the passage, but I believe all this is such a beautiful and wonderful picture of our salvation. They had rejected Joseph. And then you see the rise of Joseph. And now he's in a position to save them. There was a rejecting of the Lord Jesus. But praise the Lord. The Lord rose again. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. They tried to extinguish Joseph, but now they were exalting Joseph. And man did his worst in trying to get rid of the Lord Jesus, but one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So you see here the pardon, you see the provision, and then you see the praise. I really want to get this point. I don't know how much further we'll get tonight, but in verse number 13. He says, and ye shall tell my father. He says, now go home, get, get, tell our father. And ye shall tell my father, now look what he says, of all my glory in Egypt and of all that ye have seen. And ye shall haste and bring down my father hither. I want us to pause and think about this real quick. This wasn't me. I, I read this in a book, but someone wrote about this verse that said, there's not a better definition of worship anywhere in the scriptures than right here. Ye shall tell my Father of all my glory. When we praise God, we are lifting up His Son. And we are telling the Father of all the glory of His Son. If we're going to worship the Lord, it must be done in spirit and in truth. Let's put ourselves in the shoes of these brothers. At one point, we hated him. At one point, we cast him out. At one point, we rejected him. At one point, we were selling him for anything the world had. At one point, we saw him as just a bother. At one point, 
we heard about the cross and we heard of the woe and the anguish that he went through. And sadly, most of us in this room turned our back on that for a while. But now we've seen him. Amen. Now he's revealed himself to us. Now we know he is raised on high. Now we know he's been given a name that is above all names. Now we know that he is the savior of the world. Now we know that the world will one day bow at his feet, that he is sovereign, that people just like Joseph one day from all the world and every corner of the world will come and bow before him. And we speak and we praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And basically, just as Joseph said here, we lift up our voice to God. And Father, your son is lovely. He's fairer than the fairest. He's chief among the all. We didn't see his beauty, but now we do. He's forgiven our sins. And God meant it all for good. That's the story that the boys would have went home and told their daddy. Dad, he's forgiven us. And God meant all this for good. And I worship him tonight. Because I'm guilty of all those same things. But now I see how wonderful he is. How great he is. I'm so thankful he's forgiven me. And even our worst that mankind did, God meant it for good. You see his provision and his praise and his pardon. Verse 14, you see his proximity. And I just like this. I'm sorry. Give me a minute. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come, and it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. Now you see them fellowshipping hugging each other crying on each other's neck kissing each other restoration's been made I ain't got time to go back and go through every step and everything I've talked about but that's exactly a description of what we went through and how we now can fellowship with the Lord too we had to see ourselves for who we were. We had to see him for who he is. We had to go to him and seek that pardon and praise God. His invitation is to come. And he has restored us and he's going to take care of us. He's going to watch over us. And we praise him now and we can enjoy a fellowship with God himself. What a wonderful thing. In these last few verses, I'll just tell you that line. I'm not going to preach it. But you see the resources of Joseph in verses 17 to 23. You, we've already read the verses. Joseph promised a lot. But then the king said, everything Joseph said, do it, and it's on me. Isn't that awesome? Man, there was a sovereign behind all of that and I love and I'm just skipping through here to look at some highlights but in verse number 23 this is really important 
pray for me that I don't preach 20 minutes on this. But and says there, and to his father he sent after this manner, ten asses laden with the good things of Egypt, and ten she asses laden with corn and bread. And for his father went by the way. And uh, he, he says, uh, he, he sends all these things. He says, it's all yours. He said, this, this is yours, and, and take it and receive it. And then I love up there uh, where, where it says there uh, in verse number 20, regard not your stuff. Everything you have, it's nothing like what I have for you. Remember that, Christian. Sometimes we get so caught up in the living for the things of this world and all the possessions and all the purse and all everything that's out there, all the pleasures that are out there, it's nothing to be compared to what the king has in store for us. Amen? And he will provide it all. Yeah. When Joseph sent him, he tried. He sent one more test, right? He gave Benjamin a lot more. But praise the Lord. The, the boys are like, great. What a testimony that was. Just go. But I close the sermon with verse number 24 because it's really good parting words. Everybody listen to this. Joseph sends them away. All the wagons are full. All the livestock is following, laden down with all these treasures of Egypt and food from Egypt. But look what it says with me, because remember, it's all a picture. One day we're going to see the Lord. One day the Jews are going to turn to the Lord. Praise the Lord, we can live a victorious life. But listen to these words in verse 24. So he sent his brethren away, and they departed. And he said, stop. Before you leave. See that you fall not out by the way. Everybody look at me. We know what's coming. It's going to be awesome. The Lord's given us gifts to get through this life. He daily loads us with benefits. Amen? Be careful. Because it's a long road between here and there. There's a lot of enemies out there. A lot of temptations out there. Christian, to us, I'd say this. It's glorious what is to come. But we're not home yet. See that you fall not out, by the way. I'm not talking about losing your salvation in any way. You can't lose your salvation. Because you didn't do anything to get your salvation. But what I am saying is Joseph's words are right, that we all can stray. We all can even look at the blessings of God. And this is what bothers me sometimes, is sometimes God loads us with blessings and the blessings blind us that we forget where we'd be without Him. Everybody listen to me. Because we're a very blessed people. A lot of times I've seen people pray for, you know, uh, uh, maybe a financial need and, and their home is struggling and they're barely getting by and they're praying and praying and, and they get their life right and God blesses and boy, they're on their feet now and all of a sudden they forget the God that did it. I've seen people pray for healing from a sickness from a cancer and, or, may, or maybe some other disease and, and they're on their face and they're crying out to God. I have been in intensive care when the doctor said you have hours and they begged God and God intervened and, and, and the person got back to health only to see people sadly at times say, 
I'm going back to my other ways. I've seen, uh, I, I've seen families pray for blessings, and I've seen husbands and wives pray for children. I, I've seen uh, all kinds of miracles that people have prayed for, and they try to get their life right, and God blesses, and then they forget it. They go back the other way. See that you've fallen out, out by the way. Be careful. There's still enemies out there. There's still temptations. Joseph had some very wise words there. Brothers, be careful. Hey, you're going to be taken care of. You have plenty. But be careful. Child of God, the same can be said to us. Let's be careful.